0: Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beaky. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 45 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. We are officially moving beyond the number of episodes, solo episodes recorded in a single season. Thanks for being here for part of that achievement. And I bring that through intentionally. That's going to be something we discuss tonight Today, whenever it is that you're listening to this, we're also on day 18 of the daily podcast adventure for November 2021, and I don't know about you, but the messy middle feels totally different. Perhaps it was just that one snippet of that sleepy, shortened episode, or perhaps because we're in a new arc, we're actually in a new beginning, right? We're on episode three of what's going to be nine or ten, depending on how this all plays out, so interesting how we can recreate that influence of the strong start or that finishing with the flourish, even within the context of a bigger process, right? Day 18 of 30 could be that state of fatigue where it seems like it's too far to go back and I can't see where the finish line is, but episode three of 10 can be fresh and encouraging. So let's see. We'll watch. We'll observe as these episodes proceed. So we have been working through, walking through, experiencing, exploring concepts, That have originated in the positive intelligence community with Shirzad Chamin, and I put links to the website where you can find out there. What's been so fascinating about this journey for me is absolutely learning about the program in the way it exists, the tools as they are designed, the methods by which you can implement them. It's been a fantastic tool, yes, to utilize with the people I coach, but also for me, so many personal realizations, recognitions of how I Behave and engage with the world around me, and also ways in which others do who I know and love. And there have been some significant insights. And what really struck me was a tendency to judge, right? That's pretty common, and that's a key part of the work judge things as better or worse, right? Ideal or desirable, or something we really wouldn't want to know or welcome about ourselves. And if you've had any experience with personality evaluations, the Enneagram is one space of self-assessment that I have utilized. And sometimes when you take an assessment and you read something and it really feels like it has pigeonholed you, put you in a box, painted you into a corner, whatever you want to think about it, right? It can be really disappointing. It can be frustrating. You can feel seen and not in the, oh, I feel seen and feel good and acknowledged, but in that called out kind of way. Or again, seen for those things which you really don't like about yourself or which you find to be your weaknesses and you don't necessarily want to rally with them. What I also notice is there can be times when you see the things that you find to be positive, right? And you think that's fantastic. I love that I'm that way. And why isn't everyone that way? And you might hear other descriptors that aren't as familiar or natural for you. And you would think, how is anyone thinking that or operating that way in the world around you? What's been helpful for me as I learn more about these saboteurs and the negative self-talk inner critics that exist in all of us and to different degrees and levels of prominence are the ones with which I don't necessarily resonate strongly. They aren't at the top of my list. There were some beautiful aspects of them. Their strengths were things that I think, oh, that's amazing. I would love to have more of that in my life. And that's not surprising because if it's not ranking high for me. Yes, I may not be subject to some of the challenges of it, although not immune for sure. But it also means I may not be privy to some of the positive aspects of that which is available. And so we have gone through And we partnered that with agreement. And we saw the ways in which both of them can interact and how we can find that happy medium between them in a dynamic way. This isn't a turn the dial and leave it. This is some constant micro adjustments. And you might think about that in old school TVs, right? we keep moving the antenna to get the optimal reception here. And then we looked at control and care. That one was really fascinating for me to see the ways in which we associate with each of those words and how we might flip that and begin to see something that originally could be viewed as a problem as truly an asset. So we're going to talk tonight about achievement and achiever. And that's why I bring that forward, right? Seeing what has been achieved and just how we associated with that. Now, we can look at just our initial reaction. And I love this moment in all of these episodes to just stop and say, achieve, achievement, achiever, right? So just seeing what any of those might bring up for you and how it resonates, how it makes you feel, right? That's something we're really practicing, right? Noticing our feelings. And so let's just put achieve. We'll put kind of the root of the word. And you know, right? You're with me. This is the process. We're going to explore definitions, and what a brilliant exploration that can be. Something so simple. Think about that as a tool. And you could see it's very complex, right? The dictionary. But it's just taking the words and using just there. It doesn't feel like it's doing it justice. It takes words and tells us parts of speech and it breaks down pronunciations and it gives us the different forms and offers definitions and synonyms and antonyms. And this beautiful exploration the dictionary was one of my favorite books, as a child, and I would go through it, and I would look up certain words in that dictionary, looking around, because I believe it's somewhere right near me, on my desk upstairs here at my house. And certainly, new words have developed, and we could talk about the Urban Dictionary in the role. What a powerful space to just look at words and see what comes up when we explore their meaning, their socially accepted meaning, and also that connotation, the relationship, in the meaning we have imbued them with, bestowed upon them, if you will. And interesting here, I haven't noticed this before, so I'm on the Merriam-Webster website because I don't have my flip dictionary in front of me on the table. And it has kind of a gray, tealish gray box. that says essential meaning of achieve. Isn't that interesting? And then below it, it says full definition of achieve. We're going to go through both of those. I really haven't seen them listed that way. And I think that's fascinating to notice. So achieve to get or reach something by working hard. Just thinking about that. And as I've shared with you, I've just come from the Physician Coaching Summit hosted by the Institute for Physician Wellness with a number of beautiful lectures. And one that really resonated with me was one from Dr. Kristen Yates Coleman, fellow DO. I mean have talked about this in yesterday's episode and she talked about whole brain doctoring expanding on the concept from whole brain living by jill Bolte taylor which i have shared with you in different episodes as well and the act of having fun and dr coleman mentioned that the most powerful statement made to her in an engagement with dr taylor was that whatever it is that you do make sure it's fun make sure you can infuse fun have fun find fun be fun whatever that might be. And I thought about it. We were put into small groups and thought about where do we have fun? Where do we play? And I really thought in my work, right, my professional work, I actually see a lot of things as fun. And I thought about it. I'm like, a lot of people might not. But today, for example, I compiled a report of progress for some program participants. And there was some tedium. Right? There were some menial tasks involved. But much of it, maybe even especially those parts, I find fun. And I've been looking at the act of delegation as something that is required of me soon for lots of different reasons. And it's been easier to delegate kind a of high level function. I have many brilliant physician coaches with whom I work and they complete the bulk of the sessions because there are many people participating and I cannot complete them all. And also the variety in the experience and the brilliance and the perspectives is a key part of the program experience. That part, I have minimal hesitation because I know these people, I trust them, I see their work, and I recognize the benefits that are going to be experienced by those who get to engage with this team. But other tasks, going through and checking if a recording has been watched and completing attendance, I have some more difficulty delegating. And some is finding the right person, I'm hopeful that may be coming up for me. But I also see elements of control. And we can look at that from yesterday's episode. I think about the time I worked at a restaurant in England, and we had to take a test. It was a very extensive cocktail menu. There were lots of rules and culture and code of conduct. And one of the questions, and actually the only one that I got wrong on the test, and we could talk about that in the episode where we're looking at Hyperachiever, was the concept was, the culture concept was to see 10 things delegate nine, right? So that you didn't get stuck behind the eight ball doing all the things. And you were able to stay in your zone of genius, your particular task, and it was a high turnover restaurant. There were a lot of people. High turnover is in p- patrons, not in staff. And I wrote down: see ten things, delegate one. And you might hear a Freudian slip, but no, that's actually just my internal right person managing me. Right? Is that hyperachiever, the controller, however you want to look at it, saying you must do these things, right? No one else is going to do them as well as you and all those inner voices. So if that resonates for you, right, you're not alone. And there are also parts I noticed today when I was going through it. Absolutely. Some of those tasks that I described could certainly be done by someone else and they don't involve high level of thinking or personal engagement with the concepts. And that's not insulting to the task. It's just acknowledging what their role is and what you know, not their value, because they're certainly valuable, they're key parts of the program. But they don't require my synthesis and my <clears throat> knowing of all that's happening, and they don't limit my capacity to have awareness in order to present these programs to the institutional leaders. So there's all of that. And what I also realize is parts of it are fun. I love an Excel spreadsheet, I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy putting things into Canva. And now Doctor Una. Well, I've mentioned to you many times in the past, makes a note, right? Don't make a $2,000 flyer. Right? Don't spend hours and hours and hours when that is not the thing that is going to move you forward in your business or to serve people most effectively. Totally agree. And also find there are ways that formatting those does help me organize and collect my thoughts and does give me the platform and communication to move that forward. Right, so just seeing those, all of that to say, right? the definition that spurred this discussion was that achieve means to get or reach something by working hard. And I'm not opposed to getting or reaching something. I'm not opposed to hard work. Right? I did a very lengthy rowing workout and we could look at that as hard work. And also, does everything worth doing have to be hard? Is that an adage that we want to keep? And is there space for ease? for lightness, for fun in this work even. And even that word, I've said that before, we're working through when I was talking about the concepts and I think, is that the language and the energy I want to have? We're experiencing, we're exploring, we're playing through. I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but there's room to expand. So I wanna look at achievement, which oftentimes we can see as positive. We can see it as, right, this, your work has been realized, it's worth it. You're worth it. We could look at that, right, in the potential problems that arise in there. And also, that it could be stressful, right? Working hard, toiling away, right? Does it have to be hard work? Oh, like, why well, does that feel, the slogging of it? And we could see the stress that can come with it, too. If I have to keep achieving, if you have established yourself as an achiever, what does it mean if you did stop, or if it wasn't hard, or if you were having fun and playing? And could there be an absence of mutual exclusivity there? Can it simply be? I can work hard and that's fun. I can have fun. It doesn't have to be hard work and I can achieve something. Is there room to explore that? Another essential meaning of that vantage point is to become successful to reach a goal. And that one too, the example under it, so fascinating to me is we give students the skills they need in order to achieve in college. Mm. And we could look at that, right? And what culturally our values are what are we seeing as acceptable achievement, laudable achievement? And what does successful even mean? Who's deciding? Who are you letting decide on your behalf? And what does it look like when you have achieved some level of success? How does that feel? How many times do we think once I, right, as soon as I, I'm going to keep working until I, imagining that when we arrive, whatever that place is, we're going to feel amazing, Worthy? Better? Whole? Excited? Proud? Accomplished? Fulfilled? Content? Satisfied? And many times we get there, and then we look around, and then it's, that's it, or what's next? Or we might enjoy it temporarily, and it might be in context, but just looking at that, and to reach a goal. Reaching goals, again, can absolutely be beneficial. Checking in to see, is that the only way that I identify myself or honor myself or recognize myself as if there is some goal and I have achieved it and I've achieved it to the best of my ability and everyone around me's ability, did I win? And I'm a very competitive person, so I can resonate with all of that. And seeing what we make it mean, right? And can we love ourselves completely and reach the goal? Are both of those possible? The full definition of achieve expanding on it, to carry out successfully or to accomplish and to get or attain as a result of exertion. Again, here, so interesting, right? And can you just get to somewhere and can it just happen? Can it happen with assistance, right? And how does that define you and who is declaring it on your behalf? Achieve. And so again, seeing where Getting things done and having high standards and a work ethic and all of those pieces can be absolutely super valuable, right? And you can use them in so many amazing positive ways. The challenge comes in when that's the only way we're associating with our capacity and success in the world. When we remain so focused on that that we lose sight of anything else that's available to us when we allow it to eliminate others from that space a little bit like we saw yesterday with control so that we can guarantee that achievement ourselves and see if it does force this, I will love myself when, I will honor myself when, they will love me when, this sense of it's the achievement that earns us whatever it is we're seeking. And is there space in there to welcome that in, to offer it to ourselves, to receive it, More openly from others and then step toward, move on with, fully, wildly embrace the act of achieving. Now, the counterpoint I wanted to offer here, I had a couple different options. And a few had been used recently in other spaces and they weren't quite there. And as I was thinking of A-words, because you might notice the alliterative habits that emerge, one that came up was abandoned and i thought "Mm, does that make sense to use with achievement and i went to a moment of trust and this one doesn't have essential in full has just straight definitions but i thought yeah and let's look at it and let's see why this emerged as what made the most sense to offer as a counterpoint but also a partner for achieve so the definition of abandon is to give up to the control or influence of another person or agent. So interesting there, right? And we could see how abandoned, oh, I went too soon. Well, let's just, we can back it up for a moment. If you think of abandon, <laughs> and it's okay, right? I could rewind and edit and delete, but let's just embrace it. I gave you a little snippet and still we'll see what your vibes are with abandon. What comes up for you, right? Abandoned, left alone, neglected, right? And left out left behind, forgotten, all of these kind of negative, empty sense, right? It feels cold. It feels kind of gray. It feels like a wind is blowing through. It feels forgotten. Right? All of those different ways of experiencing abandon. As we saw. So give up the control or influence to the control or influence of another person or agent, right? And so that, this kind of weakness. But also, thinking about that, we talked about control and When might it be helpful? When does it feel safe and welcome to say, well, they got this. I'm going to let them help me and manage this. Not in a total giving up and turning over our rights or our autonomy or submitting, but kind of releasing or sinking into, embracing even. Like I can abandon and let them take responsibility for this in a helpful way, in a supportive way seeing how there can be little nuance in there. Interesting in this one, to give up with the intent of never again claiming a right or interest in. And that one too can seem kind of forlorn, certainly final. But at the same time, are there times and spaces when fully letting go, right? not being subject to something that might have haunted us, held us down, anchored us for as long as we could remember? What benefit might there be to be able to totally abandon that? I'm done with that. I let go of that. I release that. I forgive that. Not endorsing it. Right? We talk about that when we think about acceptance. But just saying, I am actually fully free of that. Could abandon, be useful there. To withdraw from, often in the face of danger or encroachment. I actually just had a really powerful discussion about this with some colleagues. And when we are in spaces where we certainly do want to be an upstander, Right? And advocate on our behalfs, perhaps, or for someone else. But we do need to assess the situation and decide, is it safe? Do I have the reserve right now? And that's okay. right? So sometimes abandoning ship, abandoning that effort, if it means right? acknowledging a significant power differential or the environment in which we are, or that we just don't have the energy right? or the emotional capacity on that day, in that moment, that's Okay so seeing how, it says here, abandon ship, right? Abandon mission. If it's for self-preservation, there can be some benefit in there. To withdraw protection, support, or help from. Right? When we think about that when we think of life support. Right? And when we think about in parental rights, that can be abandoned. And certainly there can be negative connotations there there can be a lot of loneliness in that space and we can also see where there can be an inroads to freedom and again, i'm not justifying or minimizing the impact of any of these very challenging situations but also recognizing where there are times when a relationship or situation is toxic or unsustainable or incompatible with life in the way that the person might want it to be And abandonment of some of those original or some of those structural or some of those situational interventions relationships is, again, a freeing experience. So there's a consideration there. We're never stuck with one way of engaging with something. To give oneself over unrestrainedly and to cease intending or attempting to perform. What about that? This one is fascinating to me, right? That so many times we are performing for ourselves, for others, to expectations and abandon can mean we're free of all that, right? There's so much freedom. And originally I had a lot of that sense of void and loneliness, but I hear in abandon invitations to be free, to be fully ourselves, to release. There's some power in there. And then this final definition offered is a thorough yielding to natural impulses, And especially to consider it as enthusiasm or exuberance, right, reckless abandon, and to be fully engaged in something. And just picturing that, do you automatically see the person kind of head back and laughing and chest wide, hair blowing in the wind, or in a convertible somehow if we're thinking about abandoning and picturing all of that? And just noticing that feeling, again, free, keeps coming through, and that's not what I might have associated when I really intentionally or thoughtfully, right? It's good to be thoughtful, but if we're full of thoughts, sometimes we don't make space for feelings. So when I would have thoughtfully analyzed or assessed these words, it might have looked different. And I might say, oh, right, there's space in here. And that's so fascinating. And if we're thinking about abandoning relative to achievement, toggling between those two again melding them integrating them picturing them on that color wheel and they're contributing to one another or they're highlighting the beauty in the other and saying absolutely i can have this drive to achieve and to be committed to something and really focused on a goal and i can abandon and i can release things and i can be free and i can fully exuberantly engage and there's Gifts in both. There are certainly challenges in both. Right, there can be a sense of neglect and emptiness and void and lack of any feelings here. Just it could fill up right that space that can seem vacuous, empty, can also be potential and ready for that which is meant to come in. An achievement which can be so empowering, can bring in so many brilliant things and offer brilliant things to the world, can also. Be imprisoning because it limits us to be defined by just that which we are able to externally concoct. And then it puts us in this commitment, in this bound relationship to keep doing that in order to fulfill that, right? That is a non renewable resource. We got to go and keep finding those. And eventually, like we see, it runs out. And then we haven't learned to function in any other way. And there, actually, the emptiness comes in. So simply recognizing the ways in which you are engaging with achievement, how it can be overused or misused, how you can tune into that, hopefully sooner than later. Am I celebrating my success? Am I owning it? Am I forcing it to be the defining aspect of me? Am I able to free myself and operate with abandon? And is it putting me in a space where I begin to Ignore relationships and cut people out of my life and lose touch. I right? abandon my own values, instincts, ways of being. And all of these are an invitation to the experience of greater self awareness, greater self love, increased self compassion. And as I mentioned, I'm reading the book Fierce Self Compassion by Kristen F., PhD. Highly recommend with lots of practical applications, which is really so helpful. And also some really powerful theoretical, philosophical, and research-driven notes, lessons, access points, invitations to be more in touch with oneself. So as we continue this journey, if you're intrigued, if you hear yourself in any of these ways of being in the world and you'd like to learn more, to know more, Can I encourage you, you can visit Positive Intelligence and take your own assessment. See if these saboteurs show up for you. See if we can begin to shift that language and see the strengths and the gifts within the saboteur and give us more power. The sage are certainly super useful ways of being, and there's always an opportunity to learn and engage more about ourselves. And if you'd like to dive deeper, I'll be opening up a coaching program, open enrollment, coming up as we come into the end of the year and you can get on the list to learn more about that at thisosteopathiclife.com. I thank you for joining me on this daily escapade. It's really been a joy. So many great moments, and I look forward to continuing and following the arc of this portion of the conversation. This is Dr. Millie Beeki with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.